I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello. This is Maximum Firepower. My guest today is Barnes Courtney, one of my co-conspirators on the Atlas Underground Blood album, which is coming out December the 3rd. How are you, sir? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, the acts of Dionysus have really wreaked their truth <laughs> across my countenance and my brain. I feel sort of like I'm melting into another dimension right now. It was my birthday last night. Yes. Um, and I've been up for the entirety of uh, of this moon cycle. Yeah, but, you, you, know. you, you, you partied into the into the into your next year. Yeah. I well you deserved it. You earned I it. I borrowed all the happiness from today. And I, and I used it all up yesterday. And, and now I'm paying the price. Well, well, I, I appreciate your perseverance <laughs> and you being able to master the technology to be on the uh, to be on the wire with us now. It's it, dude, it's it's pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it must have saved a lot of puppies in a past life to be releasing a single with Tom Morello on my birthday. What a glorious <laughs> day! <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Dreams, dreams <laughs> do dreams do come true. Though you never would have dared to dream it. All right, so let's talk for a second about this because this song came together in a in sort of an unusual way. Tell me what your journey was with the song "Human," which is like the lead track from Atlas Underground Flood. Well. I had been sort of, you know, dancing down the primrose pants of, da of dalliance um, in Los Angeles. And, uh, and I went up to a cabin in Big Bear because I decided that I really needed to focus. So I got myself drugged up to the eyeballs and Adderall. And I went out to this cabin in Big Bear and I, I sat about sort of the process of writing my record. Mm -hmm. And then your people got in touch and were like, Barnes, you yes. should write Tom's record. And I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they sent me this beautiful chorus, you know, in this track. And they said, do you have any ideas for the verse? And, um, you know, I wasn't sleeping a whole lot, um, yeah. mainly because of the drugs. And usually yes. I would sort of advise against any of that sort of stuff. But, mm -hmm. but when you have ADHD, like I do, uh, that can be quite a wonderful tool to sort of help you get a lot of stuff out very quickly. So I did the David Bowie cut-up technique. Oh my, you know about yes. that, which, yes, I, which yes. I love. Yes. You know, cut up all the little bits of paper and spread yeah. them across the floor. Yeah, explain that explain that to our listeners because that is a because that is a, a fine way of songwriting and I they, they may not know what it is yet. Basically where you you listen to the song or you sort of think about the song you're about to write and um, and you read something, you know, maybe like from a poetry book or you know a magazine or you listen to something whether it's a TV advertisement or whatever, and you just write down the words that, that you feel connect with you as an individual um, and the song, and then you cut them all up and you throw them on the floor. And very rarely do they sort of magically land in the right order, but it's kind of an interesting way to, to figure out um, how to get what's in your subconscious out, where you can actually physically move your thoughts around with your hands, you know? Um, and... Uh, you know, it's. I, I find it really helpful. I, I like to do a number of different things to kind of mm -hmm. keep my brain guessing, but that one's been been super helpful. 
Yeah, that one. I always, I always think that that's like a a, a great way to get unstuck if you have some sort of uh, writer's block. Is just write a bunch of stuff that maybe you do or don't like, cut it up into pieces, and see see where it lands. Uh, mm. talk, talking heads use that a lot. They stole that from Bowie as well. But it's, uh, uh, but I think it, it bore great fruit on this song. And so I appreciate you and your excellent vocal talents and your uh, the, the the fruits of your all night labors. For some of our listeners who may not be entirely familiar with your with your catalog, to, uh, let's start with there was an Island Records fiasco. I I've been 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 the victim of record company fiascos as well. But you had like some some relationship with Island Records that went awry. Share with our listeners. Oh, dude, I've been buffeted around on the winds of fancy by record labels for a long time. I mean, you know, I saw my first deal when I was nineteen, and. Mm. Uh, uh, it was this this deal with a producer who had his own imprint on Island, and you know we went out to LA, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, you're gonna be a star! You're seeing Abe up with lights!" And I, got, I was all sort of you know naive and young, and uh, we recorded this record out in Los Angeles, you know, and it was amazing and uh, just an incredible experience. And then suddenly, nothing. You know, we hear nothing from the producer, nothing from the label, and three years go by. Oh my! And it turns out that the producer has had, had an argument with Island, and he's refused to send any material until he gets whatever it was that he wanted. Um, and and it was a standstill, and we were stuck. So you know, I, I got signed straight out of high school. You know, I was woefully unprepared for the real world. I've, I've been doing nothing but playing gigs every weekend since I was like fourteen years old. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, I was like homeless living off like five pounds a day. I didn't want to get a nine to five because I didn't want to give up on the dream. I wanted to constantly sure. be going into studio sessions and stuff. Um, and, uh, but, but I tell you what, I did learn a very novel way to eat healthfully uh, with no money. I just ate nothing but sardines and kale on toast. Okay. And you can get in, in a five, five pounds a day, you can get away with that. Can of sardines, like 50p, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd go up to like, the counter and I have a basket full of sardines. She'd be like, oh, you're having a fish party, are you? I'm like, no. <laughs> just really poor. <laughs> <laughs> but it made my skin look amazing. I, mean, I look like a young cherub. Yeah. <laughs> With that oily sheen of the gods. <laughs> yeah. Apparently ladies like an oily man. What yeah, can I yeah, say? Yeah. And these glands were delivering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. So you did a song with our, our friends, The Prodigy. How'd that go? I, I love those. I love Liam. It was it was very bittersweet, to be honest. It was very bittersweet. Um, it was the last song uh, on their last ever album, you mm. know, uh, before that sort of horrible tragedy came to pass. So it, it was amazing to be a part of that record. But at the same time, you know, it, it, I had a lot of sort of guilt and I was like, I, I didn't feel deserving to be the last dude on that record. And it was just ha sort of happened by happenstance, you know, like, um, I was in the studio and uh, my buddy, um, this is a crazy story. He, he was a huge fan of the Prodigy when he was young and they were from the same town as him. So he used to see, you know, Liam drive by, you know, like in his fancy cars every now and again. And uh, he heard about this competition where if you, if you sent in a demo, then the Prodigy would sign you to their indie record label. So you know he like asked everybody in town he actually found liam's address because he couldn't figure out where to send this thing and this is back in the day of i think it was like i think maybe he burned a cd i think it was after cassette tapes and he he found his address and he posted a cd through his front door with like <laughs> you know with like his phone number on it and shit and 
anyway, you know, he didn't hear anything. He just kind of forgot about it. And then one day he gets this call and it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, uh, it's Liam from, <laughs> from the prodigy. And, uh, and he's like, thanks. Thanks for the demo. Um, why'd you send it? <laughs> and, and he goes, Oh, for the competition for your label. He goes, no, that's bullshit. That's that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he said, listen, buddy, like if you ever want advice for your band, you know, just here's my number. Just you give me a call. And so, you know, and he actually stuck to his word and uh and he used to give my buddy advice on, on his records. Wow. And yeah, and over the years, as as he grew up, you know, and went from being a, a boy to a to a man, he became like best friends with Liam. And then he became Liam's like right-hand man in the studio. That's um, crazy. That I mean, so, so he yeah. was, you know, he was working with me on my record and, uh, you know, he just so happened to play it to Liam and Liam was like, I want that hook. <laughs> um, you know, all he came in was like, he wants the hook. Do you mind? And I was like, yeah, fucking take it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> you know, have all the hooks you want. Yeah. So, you know, I, I gave it to him and, uh, and he came back and he goes, listen, dude, it's, you're gonna need to sing it like about an octave higher. And I'm like, a fucking octave? Like, yeah, don't they have machines? Don't they have machines for that these right? days? Yeah, 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 can yeah. you just work that out with some of your prodigy money? You know, fucking like, get, get an engineer on it. I was like, I'm, I'm not Freddie Mercury, you know? Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, all, yeah. I'm all right, singing's my job, but yeah. so I went in the studio and I and I had to sing this thing an octave higher, and I just about got it. But like, you know, the, the performance on it was just like, you know. Yeah. And I remember the review came back in Pitchfork. Oh, oh my, oh my. And it was just like, you know, it's like incredible album by Prodigy. Of course, Barnes Courtney's vocal adds absolutely nothing to this track. <laughs> You're like, I gave it my all, Pitchfork. I gave I'm like, it God my... fucking damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be all right. You're gonna, if, let me tell you, if you don't get a sour review from Pitchfork at one time or another, you're really not doing... You're nearly not doing the right thing. That's says the man who's never had a sour review from Pitch. He's for you oh, to say, isn't it? Please, please, Pitchfork. I, I, Pitch, Pitchfork. Like me and Foghat get the same sort of reviews of Pitchfork. All right, so we're gonna do it. We're, we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something because it's your birthday. I thought we wanted to, or it was your birthday. Do something special. Never done this before. Send an angry letter to Pitchfork. No, this if is gonna you be. Watch your grandmother's toe back. <laughs> All right, you, you're gonna have to bear with me for a second here because this is we're doing a little quiz and then it's all gonna wind itself up in the it'll land. I promise this will stick the landing and maybe a little odd in the beginning, but bear bear with me. Um, what is your favorite animal? Oh, just off the top um, of your head, like cut it off. Red tail panda. Okay, red tail yeah, panda. Fixing that, were you? Yeah. No. Nope. Um, co favorite color? Green. Name a body of water. Uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Okay. Give me three adjectives describing red-tailed pandas. Um, saucy, furry, graceful. Graceful. Okay. Give me three adjectives describing the color green. Um, vibrant. Is life-giving an adjective? Yes, it is. It is. It is. It right. is. One more. Um, and delightful. I can say delightful. that. Delightful. No, that's, there we go. Okay. Um, and three adjectives describing the Atlantic Ocean. Wet, salty, um, and, uh, and rough. Rough. Okay, fantastic. All right. So, uh, unbeknownst to you at this age, how old are you today? Or yesterday? 30? 
30 years old? I'm 31. 31. Okay, so on your 31st birthday, uh, the, the way that you describe your favorite animal is how you perceive yourself. You perceive yourself as saucy, furry, and graceful. Accurate? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> the way, so. yeah. The, the way hamster that, nips. The uh, way that you describe the color green is how you believe others perceive you. You believe others perceive you at 31 as vibrant, life-giving, and delightful. Spot this thing on. Writes itself. Spot <laughs> spot on. And like then and then uh, uh, it, it, this is going to get a little off color. The the way that you describe the body of water is how you perceive sex, which for you is naturally <laughs> wet, salty and rough. So there you have <laughs> There you have it. <laughs> Salt, salty. Happy happy, happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, why is it so salty? Don't worry about it, baby. That's <laughs> how I do it. <laughs> what are you even eating? Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Tastes like a box of Ritz crackers. <laughs> so have you oh. have you been have you been touring at all, you know, in the last two years? <laughs> have you been out? No. No, yeah. like not at all. I did one gig for Vanessa Hudgens Water Company. Uh, okay. just like for no reason whatsoever. I just happened to bump into some dude that was was putting it on. And um and oh my God, I was so disgustingly unfit. You mm. know, I got up on stage, had my little tits out, my leather jacket, giving it all the moves. Halfway yes. through one song, I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and so I was I was trying to save it with overt, you know, showmanship. And there was like yeah. a big birthday cake. <laughs> Off the stage, so I got off the stage and I took a big move. Oh. Uh, rock and roll, but then I realized I had to sing immediately, so I spat it out <laughs> all over Vanessa Hudgens' mom by mistake. Oh um, dear me! Yeah. So the shows have been going great. Yeah, she's a very <laughs> forgiving woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I've not done a show for two. It's really weird because you know I didn't even yeah. rent a place for five years. You know I was just on the road nonstop. I took about a week off. For, for Christmas each year, and it would take about a yeah. month per album. Yeah. And uh, and I love touring, so I was just like, I don't need to rent a little bit out of a suitcase. And uh, it, it was quite shocking and abrasive when it all just stopped. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I was thinking, I mean, my question was more about, like, how is it playing in a post-COVID era, but instead you ate Vanessa, you ate Vanessa Hutchins' birthday cake and spit it on her mom. I was, that was an unexpected <laughs> twist. That was, <laughs> so that's that, a, Vanessa Hudgens. So, 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 she's getting too cocky. She needs to be so taking down a few pegs. <laughs> so that's how it's been going. <laughs> I know you're a good actress, but stop talking about it all the time. This is Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello, and my guest today is Barnes Courtney, collaborator and co-conspirator on the Atlas Underground Flood record. Our song Human is out now. So it, it sounds to me like you, you know, since you had your first kind of like record deal right out of high school, are you one of those rockers that like has never had a real job? Oh, dude, I, I had a job. My, <laughs> I, I only ever wanted to play in bands as a kid, and I didn't care if I had yeah. no money. Like, yeah. you know, I was just so happy-go-lucky. You know, like there were so many parties going on. There was a show called Skins when I was growing up in England. And uh, it was this show about these teenagers who would just have these crazy parties and like drink loads and take loads of drugs. And every kid in town was trying to emulate this show. So there were just parties all the time, like amazing house parties, like, you know, like groundable yeah. offense house parties. I remember my dad, I spoke to him about it yesterday. I remember him saying, you're, you're a bloody pleasure-seeking missile, Barnes. You're just a pleasure-seeking missile, which I thought sounded a bit weird and sexual. And I told him that as an adult. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, so I never had any money because uh, I'd play, I, we'd take every single gig 
And we were that band in town who everyone was like, oh, not these guys again. Like, God damn yeah. it. <laughs> um, but at some point, my parents were like, you have to get a job. Like, you can't do this. Like, this is not how life is. Like, you yeah. have to go get a job. So I, I worked in a call center. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I used to try and sell double glazing, like cold calls. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. But there was this one elderly lady who was really lovely, and I sort of got the impression she was a bit lonely. So I just used to call her every day. <laughs> how are you? How are you? How are she you was today? Like, you know, she was really happy to have a chat. You know, I, think, I think a lot of elderly people are quite lonely, which is sad. Yeah. Um, and we'd chat about, you know, like, walks she'd take on the beach. And so anyway, eventually they cottoned on. They're like, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> You're not, not exactly pushing the product. No. <laughs> So why are there a thousand calls to Gladys? <laughs> Over two and a half hours long. <laughs> so I got fired from that. And then I had a job in a, in a fish restaurant, like a fancy fish restaurant. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was so lucky because like immediately after working there, they, they were doing a stall at a festival at Latitude in the early days of Latitude Festival. And, um, and I got to go out and like, you know, shuck muscles at this festival but you could like it was really easy to sneak off if you like wanted to see a set or something sure sure they're um, not gonna they're not gonna miss one muscle shucker right, right? Yeah, 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 yeah yeah who misses a muscle shucker you know who's <laughs> <laughs> like hey what's that what's that muscle shucker guy <laughs> he was he was cool i like that guy's style he's going places <laughs> i like the way you shuck <laughs> so, so well you left the muscles shucking behind i'm just, we're all glad to hear that and our and our and our best to gladys um, yeah <laughs> All right, so so in in conclusion, uh, sometimes we do a little thing called Mount Rushmore. I'd like you to, to join in that. Give me your Mount Rushmore, your four like top singers of all time, mm. and well, uh, you may expound on each of them to however much you want. Freddie Mercury, sure. You know, scientifically, you know, if if you want to look at it on paper, which is a silly way to look at music, but they did that. He's he's got the most dynamic voice with the most range. He was an incredible performer. He's an incredible songwriter. Um, you know, and uh, to this day, you, you can play a recording of Freddie doing his crowd work. They did it at the last uh, London Olympics and, and people react in the audience as if he's there. His, his stage yeah. work is so powerful yeah. that he doesn't even need, he can do it from beyond the grave. And that yes. is amazing. Yes, yes. That yes, is incredible. Yes. Um, so, you know, massive fan of him. Um, I, I really love uh, Axl Rose. I think he had an incredible range. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people know that because he, he sung so high most of the time. Yeah, but, but he's got that on, on Appetite for Destruction, some of that really like almost bass, yeah. you know, that's really great, yeah. Well, he, he and his siblings growing up had like a little, mm. little kind of choir thing that they did, mm. you know, for fun. And he was, he was the bass, you know, and I saw him in an interview. He was like, oh my God, what the, the hell? Yeah, <laughs> he sounds like yeah. Old Man River. <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> So, you know, he was, he was incredible. And I think, you know, coming out of that hair metal movement and doing something that was sort of more dangerous, you know, yes, and, and yes. was really sort of like changing the game. Um, I always thought that was incredible. You know, I love his stage work. I'm a sucker for a really great front man. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Robert Plant, I'm just kind of reeling off all the really sure, obvious ones. And I'm not yeah, ashamed yeah. of it, Tom. You know, he just had such a unique voice, I think, even for the time that he was in. And, um, you know, I think also his uh, his technique in terms of his uh, stagecraft it always fascinated me, you know, because he, he he was very effective um, as a front man, but he didn't move a lot. 
mm-hmm. which I find yeah. really interesting. Yeah. You yeah. know, like none of that band really like hemmed it up or, or rocked out much, but it was, yeah. it was so effective. And it's, it's yeah. amazing to me to see a band like rev the crowd up to such an enormous extent with nothing but the music. Yes. You yeah. know, <clears throat> yeah. like he just fucking stood there like, Yes. <laughs> the whole That's show. Right. That's right. <laughs> and I was, I'm loving it. So, you know, I love, I love that dude. And, uh, you know, Jagger's not got uh, an incredibly sort of technically proficient voice, but I just think, yeah, for, for me, you know, that dude is just the holy grail of, mm-hmm. uh, in, in his ability to express uh, his music through his physical performance. It's just incredible. And yeah. you know what? Like, I, I thought... I was a massive fan of Mick Jagger and I thought I kind of had a handle on, on what he did. And then I went to see them, uh, the Stones live like about a month ago. Mm. And I was just like, it, I, you know, I was fully just unprepared for the, the just effortless mastery uh, that he puts across on stage, you know? And obviously I grew up watching all their videos and I, I know that the dude moves, but yeah, yeah. to see it in person, it was just absolutely floored me. Yeah, it's um, at 75 or whatever he is oh, now. It's it's pretty incredible. It's, it's crazy. I think he might be 78. I might be wrong. Might Somebody be told me he was 78. That could like, be. That could be, yeah. People, people are in retirement homes at, at that age. Yes. You know? Like, people, you know, people have trouble walking upstairs. And that yeah. dude, <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's just incredible. I, I looked up his, um, his routine because I was fascinated. The dude, like, in the run-up to a tour, he does an eight-mile run. He does like Pilates. He'll do yoga. He he does dancing. He does boxing. Yeah. His his, his uh, he'll take a treadmill to rehearsals and he'll walk on the treadmill in in rehearsals. Yeah. Um. His diet's like insanely strict. He'll take oxygen off stage like a high endurance athlete. I mean, it's you know. Yeah. Dude's got yeah, a work ethic. It's it's a commitment to excellence. It is. It's, you know, and I think a lot of people don't realize that these these incredible humans that that we think are just kind of born this way. If, if you stop and analyze these people, like, yeah, okay, there's a huge amount of talent, but there's also this, like, ungodly Spartan work yeah. ethic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it is it is no mistake. I mean, I was curious to know, do, do you, like, do you have a lot of downtime or is your natural, um, you know, propensity to kind of sit and mess around on the guitar or to, like, you know, listen yeah. to music? I'm I'm busy all the time. Like, I, I, I'm compelled to keep making music in a way that is that is a mania almost you know what i mean it's it's less sort of a choice than something that i don't have i don't have much choice in the in the matter but with regards to like the fitness resume like i've seen you know like i've toured with with bruce springsteen and like and he mm. you know he was crowd surfing at 69 years old or whatever and and, and that it's that same it's that same kind of religious devotion to being the best you know, and it really does separate the wheat from the chaff in a lot of ways where you kind of like he would sometimes sort of taunt the rest of us on the plane. Like he, you know, he would take on a tour, he would take one bite from one Snickers bar and then leave the Snickers bar there so we could all see that there was only one bite taken during the whole tour. You know, as we're over, you know, we're like, here's another bag of chips and here's a uh, here's a bottle of Jack Daniels. He was uh, it was really inspirational, but it's similar in the way that you're describing bribing Mick is like like. It's a craft, you know what I mean? It's part of it is inspiration and art, but part of it is a craft, and you have to like maintain the the edge of that craft even in your seventies. And it, it's so difficult, you know. Like, I really do believe that uh, 
in many ways, we're kind of all exactly where we're supposed to be in terms of our career paths, you know? And like, what, when I think about my own career, like every day is a battle with my, uh, myself to try and kind of get over that resistance. And I think like, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, I'm right where I should be because I love Netflix and I love video games. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm saying to myself, like, this, this is kind of it, dude. Like, you know, it, it ain't getting bigger than this unless you put away some of those yeah. vices. Unless you stop watching Squid Games and playing Pokemon Snap on the N64 yeah. in a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. I appreciate you, and I very much appreciate uh, your excellent work on our song Human, which is on the Atlas Underground Flood record. And and I hope that, you know, I hope that when shows do at some point in the world, when there's not a Vanessa Hutchins birthday cake between uh, between us and success, that we're able to actually rock that song sometime somewhere, because I'd love to do that. Dude, don't toy with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but now, it was, so get, either get some rest or just fly hard in the, in the 31. Brother. Going straight into a singing lesson, baby. No, I take singing lessons. Of course, it's all natural. All right. See you later. Thanks very much, man. Cheers. Thanks for everything. Thanks. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower. Oh.